Sure. So um, I'd like to start maybe just talking about the immediate uh, transition that led me here to Community Catalyst, and then we'll go, we'll time travel and go a little bit backwards. In, um, as you mentioned, Lizette, I, prior to Community Catalyst, I was working for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and very involved in a lot of payment and delivery system reform initiatives there. And while I was in that role, I was really struck by the fact that there wasn't a strong consumer and community voice in these very profound changes that were happening in the healthcare system. As a state official, you hear all the time from providers, from health plans, from stakeholders who are invested in the process, but it's always very hard to understand how your average person who was being served by these programs were experiencing these changes. So after I left state government, uh, Community Catalyst actually received a grant from the Atlantic Philanthropies to set up a new center that was focused exclusively on building the consumer voice in delivery system reform initiatives. And I thought this is just, you know, this is absolutely what had been missing um, in that role. So I was incredibly excited to jump, um, you know, to take on this role and to establish the center here. If I go back a little bit, you know, as a clinician, I've really interspersed an interest in both clinical practice and policy. And that really comes from seeing how influential policy is in people's lives. I remember when I was a medical student, I was a medical student in California, and taking care of patients in the context of a state that had a double-digit uninsurance rate. And we literally, in those days, which actually wasn't that long ago, but in the days of paper records and uh, carbon triplicate or order forms, would actually write on these tri carbon triplicate order forms um, to discharge people to the street, um, people who were homeless. And even then, I just saw the futility of sending somebody out with no follow-up for chronic conditions um, without appropriate long-term treatment for the conditions that I knew, even as a medical student, was going to land them back in the hospital. And when I came to Massachusetts with the implementation of the state's expansion of health care coverage in 2006, the world had completely changed. It was incredibly rare that I would discharge somebody without follow-up or have somebody who didn't have any access to some kind of health care coverage. And it helped me to recognize just how profound the policies are that affect all of us and our ability to access health care. So I had promised to talk a little bit about why I have a master's in uh, the history and philosophy of science. And um, I studied uh, at Cambridge University, and I was very interested in the experiences of pregnancy and how pregnancy and childbirth were managed in 18th century Britain. And you might think that that has no relationship to anything whatsoever, and is you know, certainly not a very uh, practical degree, but when I um, look back at that time, I actually think that I was, what I was really interested in at that time is something that I've continued to be interested in, and that's the role of power and how power and authority are constructed in, in clinical practice. So the 18th century, for those of you who don't know, was the century in which uh, childbirth started to be managed by men. It was a domain from which they had been completely excluded, and yet they came in saying, actually, we know what's going on here and we're the experts. And I was very interested in how, how these new practitioners um, constructed the idea that they actually had the knowledge and the skills to manage a domain that they had not been involved in previously. So if you take the long view, those themes of power, who has power in the relationship, who has authority, who has knowledge, those are themes that have run throughout my career and my work.
Um, I think that's a great question because I think oftentimes it feels like there's so much going on in all the different domains of healthcare that it's hard to keep track. That it's hard to keep track. You know, in our work here at the center, we really think of healthcare, um, cons a consumer-centered healthcare policy, as having three. Um, arms, and these are all equally important. One is coverage and access, the second is the quality and delivery of care, and the third is addressing the social factors that affect health. I think paying attention to all three of these and how they interconnect is, um, is vitally important. There is activity happening at both the state and the federal levels. You know, if I had to throw my hat in one, I would say that there's a lot of very proactive, forward-thinking work that's happening at the state level, especially on those latter two aspects um, that I mentioned around um, improving the quality and delivery of care and addressing the social factors that affect health. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, but that said, those two pieces don't work unless we ensure that people have that strong coverage and access foundation. Um, and that requires a lot of advocacy at the state level, but also um, particularly now at the federal level. Great. So another version of the three-legged stool. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and as I as I mentioned earlier, really came to this work because there was such a lack in consumer voice in designing these healthcare programs, and yet, you know, as health reform is happening, we really have a one in, once in a lifetime opportunity to restructure the way that the healthcare system operates. So we set out basically to find out um, a couple, you know, the answers to a couple simple questions. You know, the first uh, first of which was could this even be done, right? Like if you go out and talk to people and say, hi, I'd like to talk to you about accountable care organizations and how your care is organized and how healthcare is delivered in the US, will people even talk to you? <laughs> and so that was, the st was step one, is were people even interested? And so what we did is we supported um, partner organizations in six states to go out and reach people in the ways that they thought would be most effective for their community. So that included, in some cases, knocking on doors, in some cases, putting ads in local newspapers, some cases, uh, speaking to church groups, going to senior centers, um, organizing town hall meetings, and then telling people that about what was happening in their community as it pertains to accountable care. And then making an ask of, would you like to be involved? So we wanted to find out, first of all, could that be done? And so over the last two years, our partners reached out to almost 30,000 consumers. And we were focusing particularly on consumers who are served by public programs and people who have complex health and social needs. And what we found was about 5,000 people said, sure, tell me more. I want to learn a little bit more about this. So then the next step was, how do you take these um, individuals who've expressed an interest and um, get them to build their leadership in this area. You might, you know, I think for many of us who work in this space, I think we struggle many times, I often do, with the complexity of these systems of care. They're big, we're trying to move uh, policy that's very um, detail-oriented, that sometimes very sounds very arcane. 
and we wanted to understand how can we get people interested and to take action in some way. So go meet with a legislator, go to an advisory committee meeting, talk to the state um, leadership about your concerns or your hopes and dreams or your fears about a new program. And so the next phase of it was how do we get people to become consumer leaders? So uh, we found that of those 5,000 people, we were able to develop about 1,000 consumer leaders who were taking action in this area. And along the way, you know, what we found were some of the best practices, you know, how you connect um, with people, how do you communicate about these issues, how do you foster a sense of community. And what's really interesting to me, and I know you'll be hearing uh, from my colleague Mark, is that you know, I came to this work from a clinician and policy background. Mark came to this work from a community organizer background. And this is where we really meet in the middle. And what we're doing is we're doing the work of community organizing, but around healthcare. So one of the things that I, I would say that has been really profound for me is I did this work because I was really interested in improving the healthcare system. And what I've really found is what we're actually doing is we're transforming people's lives. And um, through that process of engagement and advocacy, and that's the piece that has been incredibly rewarding. Yeah, I mean, I think on the one hand, working as a physician gives you a frontline seat into all the ways in which the system can go wrong. You know, how many things have to go right in order for people to get the care that they need in a um, culturally combat, you know, um, culturally competent um, uh, way that's timely, that is the right care at the right time. You know, all the different moving parts of a system and all the ways in which they can malfunction. You really have a strong appreciation of that. Um, so it gives you a certain amount of humility when you're trying to think about policy um, because you can, uh, you just have a visceral understanding of all the ways that when this hits the front lines, um, incentives can be structured incorrectly. You know, I think about some of these things around quality measurement, like when there's a big push about whether people with pneumonia in the ER were getting IV antibiotics, which wasn't necessarily the appropriate treatment but it set in motion a, a set of clinical practices that were not particularly evidence-based. So even things that are very well-intentioned you know, can have consequences, and certainly on the policy side, you know, we see that when people have trouble you know, accessing providers, when they have bad experiences when, with providers, um, when they aren't able to get elig eligibility approved for programs and the gaps that happen. I also want to say, though, that the things that I see are the wisdom and expertise that uh, consumers and patients bring to the table. And in particular, in working with people with complex needs, I really, I have started to approach a lot of medical um, diagnosis, you know, as a partnership. You know, people have talked about how um, medical care is really, it is a service, it's not a good, it's not a widget, and as such, it has to really be co-produced or co-created um, with the person who is the patient. Um, so I've learned you know, so much from the patients that I've cared for in terms of what they bring to the table, 
their expertise, their ability to um, problem solve with me, um, and the ability to find solutions together. And I think that's the piece that we want to see at the policy level as well. Okay, so Anne kind of started closer to the present, and I'm going to go to the way back. Um, I was fortunate to be uh, born into a family that really valued social justice and giving back. Those were values that were instilled in me and my siblings by my parents. Um, and they were active union members, so Anne spoke to power earlier. That's something that uh, we were well aware of growing up and the importance of organizations and building uh, consumer power. In the case of my parents, uh, labor, the labor movement was very important. Um, so as I began working, um, I kind of gravitated to community organizing. And um, one of my first jobs was with a senior, an organization focused on older adults, where healthcare is obviously an important issue. The organization wasn't exclusively focused on healthcare, but healthcare is vitally important to older adults. And that's where I began working on issues related to healthcare. Um, so I've spent many years working with consumer-based organizations, the kind of organizations that Anne mentioned uh, in her experience in, in state government were oftentimes missing from discussions around healthcare policy. And I had the good fortune of being involved with organizations that really tried to make sure that the consumer voice was represented in, in policy discussions. So um, I've worked in that space for many years. Uh, had a couple of years where I worked with a, a hospital, a, a public hospital that had a mission to serve underserved populations and, and did uh, community health work uh, with, with the hospital. But predominantly I've worked in the um, consumer advocacy space. And uh, as you mentioned, was that I, prior to coming to Community Catalyst, had a, uh, my own consultancy working with hospitals and health systems. Um, and I was looking at that point to kind of expand beyond that and hoped to join an organization that was doing more, ex more, more expansive work than just that. And I uh, was delighted to learn a, a position at the center and really, really thrilled to um, to join the team here as we work to transform the healthcare system. So my experience as a community organizer is, 
is um, similar to a lot of the partner organizations that we work with through the center and at Community Catalyst, um, and brings clinical expertise that we did not have prior to to Anne joining um, and the center. And um, it's you know it's nice to kind of bring these different experiences and skills together. And I'm learning a tremendous amount from Anne and her perspective as a as a provider. And we have a, a, a fabulous team doing this work. So um, Anne talked about the the the, uh, the partners that we have at the center, and uh, the the bulk of our work is done with consumer-based organizations. I'm, as you said, the business development manager. So my role in the center is to oversee our consulting services, and we consult to to um, healthcare providers, to uh, health plans, to hospitals and health systems. Public programs and and other nonprofits, and um, the work that we do at the center is focused on consumer-based organizations. The work that I oversee in the consulting work is really focused on the healthcare entity. So it's the flip side of the same coin as we try to transform the healthcare system. Making sure consumers are involved in these efforts is important, and providing the kind of guidance that we think is important to the health entities is what we're doing through our consulting services. We have fabulous clients that we work with. They have a mission to serve um, populations that are historically excluded, underserved populations, people with complex health and social needs. And they come to us because their expertise is not really in, in engaging uh, consumers or community partners in their work. They're focused on their you know, uh, clinical services, for example. And they're looking to us because they have a real commitment and a mission to serve uh, more effectively the populations they're, they're trying to reach. And many of them are looking for strategies and structures to meaningful engage, meaningfully engage their patients, um, consumers, the broader community in which they operate. So that's, I mean, that's why they come to us. And we leverage the expertise of an organization with 20 years of history working with consumer-based organizations and doing this work. Well, I mean, there's some, some ways that may be obvious, uh, but we think are very important. So having patient family advisory uh, bodies for, is, is one example of that. Um, and some of the listeners may be familiar with uh, community or patient family advisory councils. And we, we work with um, health plans. We work with accountable care organizations, we work with hospitals to establish those types of advisory bodies and think about ways in which to really engage those uh, members of those bodies 
in partnership in the work that they're doing. Anne mentioned the importance of partnership um, as a clinician. And, uh, you know, we really work with the health entities to, to um, provide uh, training to their staff as well as training to the members of those advisory councils. Um, and that's, that's, just, that's just one way to, uh, you know, to, to approach partnership with communities. I think that um, uh, for health entities, having patience and understanding this is a long-term uh, commitment is very important. We work with um, a number of health systems and, and others that have made that kind of long-term commitment. It's not just about advisory councils. I mean, we're, we're, we continue to develop our description and language for the work that we do. I mean, consumer engagement's our middle name, right? The Center for Consumer Engagement and Health Innovation. We're talking about meaningfully con meaningful consumer engagement. And we're hoping that we can help our um, clients move from a transactional way of engaging with patients and consumers or the broader community to more of a transformational way. And, uh, you know, we've seen examples that are very powerful where uh, programs have been co-designed with patients, with the populations they're intended to serve. It kind of seems like, uh, you know, that, that it shouldn't be that surprising that it's important to involve people in the design of policies and programs um, that are intended to serve them. But oftentimes um, it's challenging to do and uh, or its uh, shortcuts are taken. So we're really working with our clients for long-term commitments in processes and developing structures and developing partnerships that are trusting and uh, transparent so that the, 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 the um, skills that people with lived experience uh, can be leveraged in a way that's, that's better for all. Yes, yes, we're we're hoping to do more, much more than just helping organizations, you know, comply with requirements and check the box. But you know, there are organizations that are challenged by doing that as well. So we work with a range of organizations. You know, again, most of them I think have a real mission to to serve, and are committed to working as as effectively as they can with their communities or with their patient populations. But again, don't have the necessary skills for doing that, and. Um, yeah, I think some of them understand that they they need assistance and are interested in learning what other organizations are doing too. So you know, we we take all all organizations interested in 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 exploring uh, partnership and and the services that we provide. Um, and for some of them, we hope that are you know maybe more. Uh, uh, you know, concerned about checking that box, that we can move them beyond that. Yeah, we've had the um, the good fortune of working in a number of different states with with various state agencies. Uh, generally, they have some type of consumer patient advisory body, 
and we've worked with them around strategic planning, planning retreats, um, developing strategies for in, engaging with uh, patients or um, particular populations more effectively, uh, working to address uh, issues of health equity, for example. I think that um, sometimes that has helped influence policy or regulations that are being written. We'd like to think that we're making a contribution in that way. When um, we've also done work at the federal level, we um, have done for a, a, a number of years now a, a series of, of webinars with CMS on uh, geriatric competent care and meaningful consumer engagement. So we're working you know, at the local level with institutions, we're working at the state level on policy, and uh, working at the, at the federal level, as, as Anne said, as well. To add, I think um, we do have a few resources that look at uh, accountable care organizations and a checklist. Um, for advocates or policymakers for a lot of the features that we think are helpful in promoting a more consumer-centered uh, accountable care structure. And that includes a number of recommendations around consumer engagement and strategies there. You know, basically, if a lot of states you know, are starting to understand that accountable care is a learning curve for providers, for example, and there are a lot of efforts to help providers adapt to these new models. But we would argue that it is also a learning curve for consumers and for people who are being served by these programs. And that same attention to consumer engagement, um, building in feedback from consumers is really important. Consumers can also be incredible allies in helping to issue spot early on as you start to roll out these very um, complex models because they're on the front lines. You know, they spot when things aren't working well and it can help uh, states have that feedback loop to recognize when you need to take early action um, and make course corrections uh, midway. Yeah, and those feedback loops are vitally important. I mean, it's a quality improvement cycle. <laughs> and um, as we talk about accountable uh, care, I mean, it's hard to imagine accountable care without consumers being directly involved with that. So the resources Anne mentions that we have at the center have all been developed, for example, in partnership with the uh, organizations that we work with. So consumer voice is really represented in the materials and in all the work that we do. Thank you. capacity so that's the work where we're working with state partners on the ground to do consumer engagement outreach um, we also do sort of policy work that's where like the ACO checklist mm -hmm. falls in um, and then Mark's work which is really the direct services so in case it's helpful yeah. to mention that we we are we really support you know a state building that state consumer advocacy infrastructure we support our policy and research that you know, helps define consumer engagement, the pros and cons, and you know how to do it. And then we have um, we have the direct services work that may help just that, orient people. Really we have, we have a nice uh, some nice one pagers or two pagers oh, yeah, we can yeah. give you too on, the, on kind of the center. 
and, and yeah. consulting. So I can get yeah. some of those in for you. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, so would that would be helpful to. Yeah, I just realized I was like, yeah. we launched it, oh, and then right. I was like, oh, people may not understand yeah. how Mark and the policy and right. the state, we kind of touched on all three, but didn't give people that orienting right. framework. Yeah, no, I. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah so we'll make sure to write that in. Post production. <laughs>
All right. Is it wrong for me to say that I wish we had released this episode as one of our firsts? The Center for Consumer Engagement and Health Innovation and Community Catalyst, long name, seems to be the ones holding accountable care organizations and programs accountable. Right. Accountable to the voice of the consumer. Yep, I agree. Um, I'm I'm really encouraged by how much impact the center has had. You heard the reach, for example, of the Consumer Voices for Innovation program that Anne described. Um, when she was describing the report, she talked about how they've reached 30,000 consumers in six states, of whom 5,000 were interested in becoming involved um, in a delivery system reform effort. So they're really reaching a lot of people, um, but more importantly, they're activating a lot of people. And that report, just so you know, um, we we have linked to in this episode description, um, as well as some of the other resources we've talked about. Yeah, and the Consumer Voices for Innovation program is really just one piece of the center's portfolio of work that is trying to elevate the power of consumers in creating better health. So I'm really glad you had the chance to catch Ann and Mark. They're really, they're they must be really, really busy. Yeah, no, I I, I feel lucky too. It, it felt like an important conversation that um, honestly was previously missing from the Unlocking Accountable Care podcast series. Um, so I'm glad that we could have that conversation. And thanks for chatting with me, Sarah, uh, one more time. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into another episode of Unlocking Accountable Care. Thanks, everyone.